They are some of the most common questions we get. How do you decide whether to do a Roth IRA conversion, how much to convert, and when? Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al hammer out the answers. Plus, how do you get a step up in basis on your primary residence? Retirement plan options for self-employed small business entrepreneurs. And the fellas explain financial advisors, financial planners, RIAs, and broker-dealers in their own unique way for the infamous Marcus of Tennessee slash Alabama. I'm producer Andy Last, and contrary to what Joe thinks, I do not know where you live. Here they are now, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Uh, We got Andrew from San Diego. He writes in, I have maxed out on my 2019 401k contributions at work, $25,000. Can I still make a $7,000 2019 contribution to a Roth IRA or 401k? Um, Well, if you've already maxed out the 401k, Andrew, then the answer to putting more dollars in a 401k is no, unless they provide an after-tax component within the 401k. Yeah, but but the quick answer is is a regular 401k and, and Roth 401k get added together to the maximum of 25000 when you're 50 and older. So you can't double up on that. But you could still do a Roth contribution if you're single and your income is below 122000 or married at 193000 so and there is a phase out period where you can do a little bit but not fully, and that fully uh, phases out single at one thirty seven, married two hundred three thousand, to where you can't make any more contributions. So look, um, th- this is a question that we get a lot in regards to hey, I, I can't put money into an IRA because I've already maxed out my four hundred one k. Yeah, that's false. You you can you can do both, and if you make more income than the limits that Alan just mentioned. Um, you can still do a non-deductible IRA contribution. Yes, you can. So you can still contribute to an IRA regardless, as long as you're under 70, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, There's a caveat. So there. that's the only caveat. So yeah, yeah put your $7,000 either in a Roth IRA if you qualify from an AGI standpoint or do a non-deductible IRA. Yeah, and I've got one more wrinkle here that's kind of interesting. And, and so you have to have enough earned income to be able to do to put money into a 401k and a Roth. Let's say you have $25,000 of earned income, right? And you put $25,000 into your regular 401k. You cannot do a Roth contribution because you've already used up your earned income. However, I don't think this is widely known. You could put $25,000 into a Roth 401k. It doesn't affect your, your taxable wages, and you can still put money into a Roth IRA, $7,000 if you're 50 and older. So you can actually double count income for that purpose. If you're only making 25000 Yeah. Got correct. it. All right. So, Andrew, that's a um, good question. So for all of you out there listening, um, if we get, oh, no, I can't do it. No, you can. So you can fully fund your 401k plan and a Roth IRA. If you're married, both you and your spouse can fully fund 401ks and Roth IRAs, as long as you qualify from an AGI standpoint. But where you are going, Joe, is there's these limits, 19000 under 50, 25000 above 50 currently for a 401k. Some plans have the ability to put after-tax money in, and then you could potentially put a lot more in. Now, you don't get a tax deduction, but it's in the plan, and then those dollars can ultimately be converted to a, a Roth IRA. Right. So double-check your plan. All of you listening, if you're really trying to max out your retirement savings, if you have additional cash flow to save, um, double-check 
with your plan administrator to see if you can put after-tax dollars within the 401k plan. Because let's say you're already maxing out $25,000 pre-tax, you can put up to about $50,000 into a defined contribution plan uh, via IRS limits, but it's up to the plan doc. But if your plan document allows, then you could put potentially another, let's say, $25,000 after-tax, and then the next day you convert the $25,000 into a Roth IRA. It's a it's a pretty cool deal. We'll call it a you know what a mega backdoor Roth or something. <laughs> yeah, stupid. that's, that's yeah. what they do call it. All right, uh, we got Jim from Santa Cruz, California. Okay, you know who's from Santa Cruz? No, Santa Clarita. Yeah, very <laughs> um, close. Very close. <laughs> Not exactly. All right, Jim writes. Hello, Joe, Big Allen, Andy, Andy or Andy. <laughs> it's A N D I, folks. A-N-D-I. Oh, none of them were right. Yep. None of them. So, Jim, fail. I like that. I think it's funny that both of you act like you didn't know how my name is spelled. How would we? How would we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like write letters. That's like, Andy, I tried to write you a postcard. I couldn't figure out how to spell your name, so I didn't do it. Your show rocks. Uh, thank you for the on-air answer to my Roth uh, conversion question uh, last month. I'm hoping you can help with one more. Believing that the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, will not be permanent, I expect to be in a higher tax bracket in retirement than the 22% bracket. I have around 400000 in qualified accounts with Schwab and Vanguard and about 50000 in Roths. My employer now offers a Roth 401k. But since... Both brokerages make it very easy to do Roth conversions. I'm inclined to continue to contribute to the regular qualified 401k. I can decide in December if I want to execute a Roth conversion at Schwab or Vanguard. Uh, this, oh, this keeps the option of deductible contributions open until I am certain that I want to make a conversion and know that I have the cash to pay the resulting taxes. I cannot see any downside to waiting until the year end to make this decision. Am I missing something? Uh, thanks to you and your team for everything you do. All right. Okay. What do you got, Al? I got an answer here. Um, I like it. And let's see. We got mixed up on the pages. It's um, page, page six. Six. Okay. Six to seven. Okay. Here's why I like it, Joe. It's because if you, and it, it comes out same, same, if you end up converting the same amount that you were going to put in a Roth side of a 401k. So it's same, same. So I don't really care in a sense. But in another sense, if you do the Roth 401k, you can't change your mind later on. Whereas if you do it the regular 401k, creating a tax deduction, and then in December, that's when you actually decide how much you want to convert based upon your known income at that time, it just gives you a little bit more flexibility. The only problem there is don't forget to do it in December because then you would miss that opportunity. So I like it. Jim, I would do the opposite. I know, and I know why, why you're going to say that. Because, <laughs> why? So Because you get the money in sooner and get the tax-free growth. I, I like the flexibility more than I like your answer, but go ahead. Yeah, but real life happens, though. You're CPA. I know you would like that answer, the flexibility. Oh, I'd, it's like, I'd, I'd have my spreadsheet. Yeah, right? I'd have an alert. December 2nd, <laughs> look at spreadsheets. <laughs> I would. I would be flashing your, lights. Your, your watch is beeping. What's that? Oh, i got to look at my Roth conversion numbers. <laughs> I'd be in a client meeting. Excuse me, one second. <laughs> I gotta check I gotta my own ex- conversion. Uh, yeah, I gotta execute my own conversion. <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. 
it's easier to execute. Yeah, I get that doing a conversion at Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity, anywhere. It's really easy to do a Roth conversion. However, the likelihood of you doing the conversion or getting the money into a tax-free account is more probable if you just set it and forget it. Yeah, I do agree with that. Right? Now you got the $25,000. I don't know how old Jim is. But let's just assume he's got 25000 bucks. He's over 50. Um, well, most of our listeners are kind of under 50. Lately, it seems. Do we know what the demographic is of our listeners? Didn't you ask that in our survey? How old are you? Yes. Yeah. I, I asked them how close they are to retirement. Yeah, and we had three participants. Yeah. That's so what, my mom. Was, was it a big enough sample? <laughs> Science. I think we got to ask that. I, we we got to we got to dive in. I actually want to know deep. how old people are. Okay. Say, you know, what's your age? What's your uh, you know, we could give a range. Yeah. Right? 20 to 25, 25 to 30, 30 to 40, whatever. So we had 35% that were already retired, 33% that were more than 10 years from retirement and 30% that were 5 to 10 years away. Oh, well, just right a third, a third, a third. Yep. So, okay. Well, I got to Okay. So <clears throat> If, if For those of you that have a Roth provision in your 401k, so Jim is saying, should I just do the Roth 401k, put it, get it in there, have the tax-free growth, and then I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm done. Or he wants to be a little bit more strategic and yes. say, you know what, I'm going to go pre-tax, and then I'm going to convert at the end of the year. If this was two years ago, I would like that strategy a lot more because that's what we would advise you to do because you can out- – Back then, you could recharacterize the conversion. Yeah, and we would tell you do it in January. You got full year of tax free growth, and then you can recharacterize what you need to next year. Right. Can't do that anymore with the new Tax and Jobs Act. So it's like, all right, well, I'm going to convert, and then now I got to write a bigger check in April, and that's kind of a pain in the ass. And then I'm going to be upset because I hate paying taxes, and then now I got to write this check. But if you already just get it in the Roth IRA now, it's it's done. Yeah, because your withholdings changed yeah, and everything. It's yeah. done. Spend so, with, yeah. So maybe maybe I'll say it this way: If you're an accountant or an engineer, do it your way. It, yes. And if you're like me, Every, everyone else. If you're just like a <laughs> schlup, <laughs> if you will set your alarm yes. on December second, beeping, and if you will not be too bummed out when you owe taxes in April. And yeah, and understand the tax consequence and all that other right. stuff. Right. Well, there could be penalties. Could be. Whether you do a Roth conversion at the end of the year or not, given that December 31st is approaching fast, you'll want to check out our tax planning checklist in the podcast show notes. It's got the list of all the documents and information you'll need to file your taxes, information about Roth conversions, the 20% qualified business income deduction and charitable gifts, and most importantly, it lists some tax saving strategies to implement before December 31st. Click the link in the episode description in your podcast app to go to the show notes and download the 2019 tax planning checklist for free. You'll also see the link to Ask Joe and Big Al. Click that and send in your money questions via voice message or email. Uh, Terry from Denver, Colorado. I'm glad you know where that's, that is, what state it's <laughs> in. Thank you very much. Uh, good thing I have a map handy here. <laughs> um, hi, all. Didn't want to prioritize. Love, love the show. All right. Very good. Pretty sure I'm good for retirement, but wanted to run the numbers by you. I'm 60 and retired last month, and my husband is 59 and plans to retire within the year. 
We have $1.8 million in tax deferred, 401k and IRA. $1 million in taxable and $72,000 in Roth. Um, oh, and I guess a little bit in uh, HSA. The tax hit is huge this year, so no Roth conversions. In retirement, I have a 60K annual pension, and my husband will kick in between 62, will kick in uh, between 62 and 65, with pensions income ultimately totaling $92,000. We plan to delay Social Security till 70, and that kicks in for a total income of $168,000. Annual expenses are 60K. And budgeting about $20,000 for medical, so that's about $80,000 combined. House is paid for, no debts, and kids are launched. My question has to do with Roth conversions. During the gap years, a couple of the years will be in the 12% tax bracket. Should I up the Roth conversion to 22% bracket for those years? Is it worth it? Even doing that, it only converts less than half of the tax-deferred assets. That's a lot of tax to be paid in the near term in foregoing the growth. Doing a straight analysis between the Roth conversion and not, it takes till 90 before the Roth conversion seemed to pay off. What am I missing? I assumed a 3% growth, modest yet conservative. And of course, I have a massive spreadsheet for this. Thanks again. <laughs> All right. We get this question often. It's we been a do. while. We do. What's the break even of a Roth conversion? Yeah. I think you're going to say day one. Day one, Terry. And, you're, you're, and, you're, and explain that, Joe. Your, your, her spreadsheet is flawed, Okay. first off, because she's comparing apples and oranges. Right. And what I mean by that, Terry, and no offense, is that you're looking at, okay, if you do the Roth conversion... And you pay tax. So we keep using this simple example, but I think it brings the point home. Let's say you do a $100,000 conversion, right? And you're in the 25% tax bracket, so you have to pay $25,000 in tax. So now you have $100,000 in the Roth, $25,000 is owed to the IRS. So now you have to cut a check to the IRS for twenty five dollars so Al, she's out $25,000, right? Right. So she's saying, well, this doesn't make any sense. i got to be over 90 for this thing to, to, to add up because I did have $125,000 that was growing modestly for me. But now after doing the conversion, I'm paying a lot of tax, capital L-O-T. Yes. <laughs> what Terry wrote. Right. Is now the twenty five grand is gone, is out of my portfolio. It's not growing anymore. What What gives? What she's missing is this $100,000 now is 100% completely tax-free forever. And so in your spreadsheet, Terry, you got to take the net tax effect. What's the purchasing power of your dollars? You have $1.8 million in a retirement account. It's not worth $1.8 million because you have to pay tax on that at some point. So that one8 Let's say you you don't do the conversion, it continues to grow to $4 million. Well, that $4 million is 100% taxable, right? If you converted some money out of it, right, now that money is all yours. Whatever you see on your Roth account is 100% yours. 
So whatever you see in your IRA is not all yours. So you have to do the net tax effect for your spreadsheet to actually work. Yeah, and that's true day one. It's true It's true day two, year one, year two, year 10. You always have to t- subtract the tax effect out of the IRA to compare this properly. And, and you're right, that's what people miss. And so from that standpoint, a $100,000 IRA, you can't spend it. You, if there's a 25% tax bracket, like you said, you can only spend 75. So that's really what your IRA is worth. That, that's all it's worth because that's all you can spend. Right, so now you're comparing apples to apples, and that's what I, I would say the whole industry misses this fact because you see articles all the time. The break even is 11 years or 15 years. It's like no, it isn't. Right, it's like well, Roth IRA conversions only work. I mean, they work better for younger people because yeah. they have more time, time for, for the, the compounding tax-free yeah. growth right. to work. Right, because Terry, hear me out. With now, let me explain the example this way. Is that you have the hundred thousand dollars in the IRA? You have twenty five thousand dollars that's sitting in a brokerage account, and it's invested modestly. And let's say that grows, your IRA grows. You don't do the conversion, right? Because you did your spreadsheet. And you're like, this sucks. I'm ninety years old. I'm you know I'm going to be old, and who cares? So now you say, I'm not going to do the conversion. The hundred thousand dollars grows. Let's say it doubles. Now you have two hundred thousand in the retirement account. You have fifty thousand or twenty-five thousand dollars in your brokerage account that grows to fifty thousand. So now you have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that is sitting on your statement. But the two hundred thousand is not all yours again, right? Because it's still in the shell of the IRA. So you have to pull that out. You have to pay tax. Let's just assume the same twenty-five percent rate, right? Okay. So you pull it out. You pay twenty-five percent on two hundred thousand. You have one hundred fifty grand. Right. The twenty-five grew to fifty. You sell that out to spend that. You have a capital gains rate there, though, right? So let's say you had a tax-free capital gains rate. Now that fifty thousand two hundred, now your purchasing power is worth two hundred thousand. Yeah, even af- though after the tax, after tax, not including the capital gains rate. Right. Okay. If she did the conversion, she's got a hundred thousand dollars, converts it to a Roth. Right, she loses the twenty five thousand dollars, but now she's got a hundred thousand in the Roth. That grows at the same rate. Now she's got two hundred thousand in the Roth. She takes out the Roth. She pays zero tax. The purchasing power is the same. Right. But what we're not telling you is that try to pull two hundred thousand dollars out of a retirement account and pay twenty five percent in tax. Yeah, and it's going to be a hell of a lot higher. And we didn't even put the capital gains rate in there. That's right. And and Terry, I, I will also tell you this. First of all, your retirement looks fine. We're not worried about cash flow. You're in great shape. Your fixed income, even before Social Security, covers your living expenses. But here's your problem. It's a tax problem. So with Social Security, you have 168000 By the time you withdraw money out of your IRAs at age 70, it could be close to $4 million. So we'll just use that figure just because it's easy math. And we're using a $1.8 million in retirement account and just doubling double, in it du- over 10 years. Doubling in 10, 11 years, something like that. So that means the required minimum distribution will be about 160000 So now we're going to add one sixty to one sixty-eight. So your income is about $320,000 in retirement. Now, there'll be some kind of probably standard deduction or itemized deduction. You'll probably pay taxes on 300000 Under the old tax system, which comes back in 2026, you are subject to alternative minimum tax, and you will likely be in a 35% bracket. I would actually do conversions to the top of the 24 
because this is the lowest rate we've seen in, in our lifetime for these sorts of things. So this is a huge opportunity. You would certainly, it's an absolute no-brainer to do it to the top of the 22, but I would actually do it to the 24%. You have plenty of money outside of retirement to pay the taxes. You will end up in a such better position. And if you run your spreadsheets properly, net a tax on everything, you'll see how much better you end up. You have to look at it, kind of think of it like this, Terry, and then then we'll, we'll break, is that when you pay off a mortgage, right, your net worth doesn't change the day one. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. You have a big, fat mortgage in your retirement account. By doing a conversion, you're just kind of paying the mortgage off. Getting rid of that. Getting rid of it, and then you stop paying the interest payments forever. And, the, and your house is going to continue to grow. Or you have a partner within your IRA that you're just buying your partnership back so that you can have all of the growth and wealth for yourself. The retirement accounts are great. We're not saying that they're not. But in your specific situation, if you ran your spreadsheets a little bit differently to show, the, you know, show apples to apples of net after tax wealth, you, you would find that doing the conversions would be a huge, huge benefit. So... Hope this helps, Terry. Hope it helps. Um, good luck and congrats on uh, on building uh, a wonderful retirement nest egg. Uh, Mike, he writes in from San Diego. He goes, hello, Big Al. Hello, Mike. My story and how do I apply for Step Up and Basis? So this is just for you, bud. Okay. First, um, I love how Mike <laughs> writes here. Yeah. The wife and I. The wife. The wife. The wife. I the wife, I bought the house. <laughs> First, the wife and I <laughs> bought the home here in San Diego. I uh, love it. For $240,000. In October okay. 2011, my wife passed away. Ooh, sorry oh, to hear that, Mike. Bad. Unknown home value at that time. In August 2012, I refied the home. The appraisal value was 550000 so that said, now in November 19, 2019, is it too late to file for a step up in basis? If it's not too late, what Fed tax forms do I use? Finally, what is that stepped up value if we used a 500K number? 500,000 or 240? <laughs> divided by <laughs> two, two equals 120, plus 500 divided by two equals 250. 120 plus 250 equals 370. I know what he's trying to do, so I can answer this question. That's why it was asked to you. <laughs> for, first, first of all, uh, there's nothing that you have to apply to uh, for a step up in basis. You just get the step up in basis. And and for those that have uh, pretty large estates in excess of $11 million, you, you probably want to file a Form 706 uh, upon your spouse's passing just to kind of justify that. But I'm assuming, Mike, I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming your total estate's probably below that. So you don't really need to file any forms. It's the value at your wife's passing. You got to step up in basis. And because you live in a community property state, being California, you get a full step up in basis on the entire property, not half. So I think that's what the math was going through. Because if you live in a non-community property state, you only get half step up basis and you're portion stays the same because you're still living. So, Mike, you get a full step up in basis. You don't have to file anything. And now it's just a matter of figuring out what the number is. The fact that you refinanced within, uh, I don't know, 10 
months or so of her passing, you could probably use that number, 550000 That's probably what I'd do. If you want to be even safer, you can actually go to an appraiser. They'll appraise it way back then. You can, you can do an appraisal after the fact to get what it was worth at the date of your wife's passing. But that's your new tax basis going forward. And you get a, so you get a 100% step up. You don't really have to inform the IRS about that. Uh, I guess the only time that that would come into play would be a, upon audit. Yeah, upon he audit. sells his yeah. primary residence, That's and right. then let's say he claims the one twenty one exclusion doesn't pay any tax, and then they're like, "Hey, well, how did you get this? How did you get this five hundred thousand dollar basis?" Then you have proof and said, yeah. "Okay, well, here my wife passed away, and then I got the refinance. Here was the appraisal at that point. I used this as my basis when I sold the property." That's right. That's correct. That's the only time you'd have to show that. So. Either you could use the the appraisal at the time of the refinance, which is probably pretty good, not perfect, but pretty good. If you want to get an even better answer, you get a current appraisal uh, way back to October 2011 on your property, and appraisers can do that. <clears throat> All right. Hopefully that helps, Mike. I'm sorry about your wife's passing, and um, best luck with selling the home, it sounds like. All right. We got another Mike. Mike and Sue. They write in from San Diego. See, Mike is above. Oh, okay. Same one. Hey, Mike. Hello, Joe and Big Al. Now I'm in the mix. Finally. <laughs> Got it. This might be a question for you, then. All right. I know I've heard you say several times, but need it spelled out. Say Sue will make $70,000 gross this year. Mike will make 135000 gross this year. Sue paid 4K, didn't pay, Mike. She contributed. Yes. It's like paying a bill. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, I got, I got who wrote this. in is like, when I quit, if my wife quits. Yes, that was gonna, last week. We're going we're gonna to tap into my 401K plan. I was like, man, that's a new name for retirement. That was Daryl. Right. Yeah, and his other brother, Daryl. Larry and Daryl yeah. and Daryl. <laughs> All right, so Sue paid 4K into her 401K. Okay. Mike paid... 25K to his TSP. Okay. Sue and Mike married in February this year. Oh. Okay, so Mike. we got remarried. Good right. for you. Good for you. Okay. So Mike paid 25K into his TSP. Sue and Mike married in February this year. Sue and Mike are both over 60. You have mentioned the max income we can make, and you even said on what line of the 1040 IRS form to use. What is the max we can make, and what line should we be looking at? So we can both send 7K to our Roth IRAs. I know I must be missing some facts here, but if you can figure out what I'm asking and answer, that would be great. Thanks, Mike and Sue. All right. Um, it's modified adjusted gross income, Mike. You're married. So you can qualify. You can get. You, you can pay another $7,000 into that Roth bill. Um, <laughs> so here's the math. So let's see. Sue makes seventy. You make one thirty-five. So that's two hundred five thousand. But you're putting—I'm going to round it. You're putting about thirty thousand into retirement accounts, so you can subtract that from the two hundred five. So now you're at uh, what one seventy, one eighty-five. One eighty-five. One eighty-five. Eight, 
no, 175. Anyway, you're below the, the Roth IRA threshold. You have to be below $193,000, and so you've made it. So in other words, your gross salary minus your deductible contributions to 401k or, or TSP will get to you your your uh, your income. Now you do look have to- at adjusted gross income. As long as that number is under about $195,000, you qualify. Real quick, back on Mike's question about the step-up in basis on his primary residence. I wanted to mention that one of our advisors here at Pure Financial, Pete Keller, just did an educational video explaining the concept of stepped-up cost basis and taxation for beneficiaries, spouses in a joint tenants with rights of survivorship situation, and spouses with community property. Check it out in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. And subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to catch new videos as soon as they're released. Dahlia from YouTube Land. Huh. Where the hell's YouTube Land? It's on your computer. <laughs> she doesn't or, want to dis- or your phone. She doesn't want to disclose where she's from. Hi, Alan Joe. I came upon your channel on YT. YouTube. <laughs> YMYW on YT. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> thought I would ask some questions. I formed my own business as an S-Corp this May. All right, you following me, Al? I'm with you. All right, she's in the 35% tax bracket. I am my own employee. I am setting up my own payroll and looking into 401k options. I'm single, no dependents. I have one property, which I don't live in, and bought for my parents. Here are some questions. All right. Okay. Number good, one. Good start. I was looking to do a Roth 401k and getting confused on how to set this up. Do you have a company that you would recommend? Currently, most of my investments are with Schwab, and they say they don't have 401k with Roth features. All right. Number one, let's... <clears throat> you could set up a solo 401k at Schwab, but they, they're, they're planned out for solo 401 I guess we should explain what a solo 401k yeah, is. Yeah, let's start there. All right, so Dahlia is self-employed, only employee, wants to set up a retirement account. A solo 401k allows Dahlia to set up a retirement account for her business to just shelter more money in a retirement account than probably any other plan. Well, yeah, than a SEP, SEP IRA. Not or a standard IRA, not or as, a simple. Not as much as a defined oh, benefit. I knew you were going to go I mean, as soon as I said that. laid it out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like middle. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but it's it's a really good plan for, for self-employed business owners that don't have employees because you basically can set up a 401k with employee and employer profit-sharing parts, components, and so you can actually put quite a bit away. But to set up a solo 401k, you have to be the small business owner. You do, correct. You can't set up a solo 401k if I'm an employee at XYZ Company. That's accurate. Right. So I'm an employee of Peer Financial Advisors, and Peer Financial Advisors has a 401k plan. I cannot choose to say, you know what, I'm not going to participate in that plan. I'm going to set up a solo 401k plan over at Schwab. That doesn't fly. You have to be self-employed to set up a solo 401k plan. Um, do we have any recommendations? You well, can go to TD Ameritrade. They have a. It's the plan doc. Yeah. So, so, so like Fidelity, I know doesn't do the Roth, and Schwab doesn't do the Roth um, plan component of it, but TD Ameritrade does. Yeah, and I'm not actually. I'm not 100 percent sure that Schwab doesn't do it, but but 
here, here's the way that you do it. You open up a solo 401k, and then you see if there's a Roth option. There's, there's no such thing as opening up a Roth 401k. You open up a regular solo 401k with a Roth option. Roth that, provision. That, Roth, Roth provision, Roth option that allows you to do either. So that's, that's the starting point. But I think he's already went to Schwab, or she went to Schwab. I'm pretty then, sure Schwab has a Roth option. I don't think so. Well, we'll have to, we'll just have to agree because and disagree. I, well, I know for a fact because we have money at Schwab. Not much. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I know you got more money in your bank account <laughs> than we do at Schwab as a company. Um, and we have money at TD Ameritrade. Yes, quite and are and then we have um, client dollars at Fidelity. Right. So we use all three custodians, um, mainly Fidelity and TD Ameritrade. Correct. And anytime I've set up a Roth 401k for a client, I have to use TD Ameritrade because Fidelity does not. Fidelity does not have one. And, and that, so that I'm assuming be. that if Fidelity doesn't, and she's already asked Schwab, and they said no, yeah, I, I, I would just maybe ask again. Yeah, I would ask again too. I, I would, I would ask again. We, what you're looking for is a is a solo 401k with a Roth option. That would be the way to ask it. Get someone else. Just make sure. Uh, and and you're you are right, Joe. We know for sure TD Ameritrade has one. Number two, if I did the Roth 401k, the 19k employee contribution would be a deduction, not a benefit for me as an employee. So I would be paying this in post-tax dollars. Is that right? Well, the nineteen dollars is not a deduction. Well, it, it's a deduction. It's a post-tax deduction. It's a post-tax. Yeah. So well, let's let's that's add. That's an oxymoron, isn't <laughs> it? And it's post- nineteen thousand, not nineteen dollars. Po- post. <laughs> post-tax. It's not post- a deduction. Post. Well, it, it it's deducted from your net pay, so you could call it. That. It's a contribution. All right, post-tax contribution. Okay, perfect. All right, let's. Okay, <laughs> I'll agree with that. All right. So your your thinking is right. It's uh, it, it's it's not a tax deduction if if you're trying to say it that way. It's a post-tax, which means that the nineteen thousand dollars goes into the Roth side of the four hundred one k. You do not get a tax deduction, so you're still paying tax on that nineteen thousand. So, but the nineteen thousand now is in the Roth. It will grow one hundred percent tax free. So, any dollar that that grows, so you pull it out, you don't pay any tax on whatsoever. Correct. Now, Dolly is thinking about doing the profit sharing feature within the solo four hundred one k. So, why would the profit sharing feature be pre tax only? Uh, because they're two different plans. You're just combining them. You have a four hundred one k plan and you have a profit sharing plan. So the profit sharing plan is contributed by the employer, and the employer contributes that profit sharing based on profits of the overall organization, and the company then takes the tax deduction by doing that. That's why it's pre-tax. Yeah, so I would say it's the same plan, but... Well, it's a four hundred one k and profit sharing. Yeah, but it's the same plan. It's the same. It's it's the it's a four hundred one k has a profit sharing component. Let's get right here. There's so many components. <laughs> it's not a separate plan. You don't have two plan documents. It's a single plan. But to, I, I'll answer this maybe a little bit more accurately. <laughs> I guarantee you, there. It's, all right, go ahead. It's, a separate, it's not a separate plan. Uh, at, at any rate, the uh, the when an employer makes a a, a match or a profit sharing. Uh, uh, contribution on your behalf. An employer, it, it's not their Roth IRA, it's your Roth IRA. An employer is, 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 takes a deduction, always takes a deduction. So that's, that's why, and it seems kind of confusing because she's the employee and the employer, so why don't I get the Roth on both? And the answer is because there's an employee and an employer. And she just happens to be both. Correct. 
And so the company's taking the deduction. That's why it's pre-tax. That's Which right. I said. And why would you say that that was a, a better answer? Because it, mine was more accurate. All right. <laughs> I guarantee you can have a 401k plan without the profit sharing. Right? You can, but the it's it's the profit sharing is a component of the four hundred one k. Yeah, but I can I can you can you can have a profit sharing plan and a four hundred one k, but there's no reason to do that. All right, um, <laughs> would I be able to also make after tax contributions with an in service distribution to take advantage of the mega Roth IRA rollover? Uh, she wants to um, continue to put after tax dollars in solo four hundred one k. The answer is no. Yeah, I think in most of the solo K plans, prototype plans, they don't allow post-tax money going in. Uh, because the, the defined contribution plan limits is, what, $54,000? Uh-huh. So for some employees that work for larger companies, you can put up to $54,000 into a 401k plan, $19,000, or twenty five if you're over 50 would be pre-tax, or if you went the Roth, it would be after-tax. But you could continue to add money into the after-tax component of the plan and then convert it. Uh, but you would not be able to do that in a solo 401k. <clears throat> Lastly, since I was employed at the beginning of the year, W-2, 1099 payments, I also had a 401k with my previous employer. How would I factor that into uh, my contribution limits? I guess if she contributed to the old plan, and then you, it's $19,000 per the year. Yeah, per the year, no matter how many 401k plans you have. And she also asked, would I also be able to contribute to a traditional IRA with me as an employee? The answer is yes. So you can do the 401k plan, profit sharing plan, and a traditional IRA or Roth if you choose to, if you qualify for uh, the income limits on the Roth, um, or if you want to take an after-tax contribution to the IRA, and then you can automatically convert that, that would be a backdoor Roth IRA. Potentially, if you don't have a lot of other IRA dollars. Well, if you do, you just put them into the new 401k plan that you established. I've posted a bunch of retirement plan resources for self-employed small business owners in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, including a podcast video of Joe and Big Al discussing the benefits of the solo 401k and solo Roth 401k, the YMYW TV show episode on retiring as a self-employed person in the new gig economy, a giant blog post on small business tax filing, and a video from Pure Financial Advisors Allison Alley outlining the best self-employed retirement plans. Click the link in your podcast app to go to the show notes. And don't forget to share these free resources with all the self-employed small business owners you know. And click Ask Joe and Big Al to send in your questions via email or voice message. Our good buddy Marcus from Tennessee slash Alabama, wherever the hell he is, he actually gave us a voice uh, recording. You guys asked and Marcus provided. Let's see what Marcus has got to say to us. Hey, hello. How y'all doing? It's... uh... Marcus from Tennessee, Alabama, road tired. No, actually, that's not my voice. But yeah, this is Marcus from uh, Alabama slash Tennessee, Tennessee slash Alabama. Yeah, I want to call in, give you a brief history of the whole Tennessee, Alabama thing. All right, so here, how's it go? Oh, before we get started, man, keep up the good work on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed the show. So um, I, I don't quite remember when it was, but one time when I emailed in, I had a question. I think it was about the estate tax. I don't remember. Joe said, hey, we got Marcus from Alabama. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't remember putting in my location on the email. I was like, where in the world did they get that from? So I went back and I looked over the email and looked over the email. And I was like, no, I didn't say I was from Alabama. Then I realized what happened. I scrolled down and I had my phone. I left my phone number. And it was at that moment 
I realized how important and valuable Sherlock Holmes was. I mean, Andy was to YMYW because she looked at my phone number and said, hey, this is Marcus from Alabama. So the next time I emailed in, I was going to be a little petty, right? I was going to be a little petty and say, all right, technically, yes, I'm from Alabama, but I'm emailing from Tennessee. And so since I got a big reaction out of that, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to keep doing it just to mess with them. So that's the story of Tennessee slash Alabama. Hey, keep up the good work. Thoroughly enjoy the show. And um, got a couple suggestions, recommendations, and a question. I can't speak for all of your listeners, but I I, I strongly believe they would prefer a um, two episodes a week podcast from YMRW. I don't know. I mean, I know y'all busy, but just marinate on that for a little second. I think y'all can uh, make that happen. I appreciate that. And so now to the question. Could you go over the differences between a uh, financial planner and a financial advisor? Do they do two different roles? And then after that, what's different to like a registered investment advisor, a broker dealer and all that jazz? All right. Thank you very much. You know, I probably could Google this answer. And in fact, I probably already did in the past. But why Google when you have YMRW? Anyway, thank you for all your hard work and thank you for answering the question. Bye. Wow. That's Fantastic, Marcus. Marcus, Tennessee, Alabama. Tennessee, yeah. I really wish you'd talk like that. Now. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> that would have been bad. Next, next question. You got to talk that way. The whole question. Man, they're challenging you, Marcus. What is the difference between. <laughs> oh, you got it. You could do it. Answer, right, the, an, answer the question with that voice. <laughs> oh, gosh. Please don't. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay, let's, let's talk about his comment. Um, Marcus, I can barely do <laughs> 30 minutes. With Big Al, let alone two episodes per week. Oh, we'll marinate on that, though. Wait, we'll marinate. We'll marinate. Yeah. I like that. Oh, that's a great way to say using it. Yeah. some of that. Right. Um, I could use that phrase we'd have for to, all sorts of different... We'd have to be together for how many hours a week? It's, it's, be, a, it's, it's be, a lot. That'd be tough. I don't know. Uh, but we'll marinate on that. All right. So what's the difference between a financial planner and financial advisor? Nothing, really. You know? I think what you really want to look for is... The, the designations behind whatever title they give themselves, right? Because I call myself a financial advisor. I call myself a financial planner. I, you know, if, and, you know, some people ask me what I do. I usually say I'm in finance. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. I don't want to go through the whole BS. Right, right. It's like, oh, what line of work are you in? Well, I'm in finance, and that usually just shuts them up, and they don't really ask me anything else. Because it sounds so boring. Versus... Well, if I say I'm a financial advisor, then they're either going to ask me, oh, what was, oh, what do you think about the market? Or they're going to think that I sell insurance. Right, right. <laughs> One or the other. Right. And I, so it's So like, I, I feel differently. So I always used to, people say, what, what do you do? CPA. Oh. The, <laughs> <laughs> now you say, I'm Big Al. No, I say. I'm, I a, say, I'm a radio, I, television or, celebrity. All right, all right. So, so now I say I'm a financial planner. They go, oh, <laughs> you help people with money. Then we have a conversation. Yeah, I don't want to have a conversation. That's <laughs> that's my you problem. You don't want to talk to people. Yeah. So, what do you do for a living? I'm in finance. Finance. Go pound sand. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I say. No. Um, no, I don't know. I, you, you could say you're president. No, I'm not going to say I'm president. I'm pure, yeah, I'm, well, I'm president of Pure Financial Advisors. <laughs> Seven, eight employees. 
I'm on TV, have a podcast. Yeah, right. No, I don't even know. You don't I mean, go there? Not even a little bit. Okay. Only if I've had a couple bars and she's cute. Okay. I'm kidding. You've yeah. had a couple bars? A couple beers at a bar and she's cute. See, I'm already feeling like I, I'm I know. Already. By bar, he, but he meant beers He drinks everything bars. in the bar. Yes. <laughs> Moves on to the next that, one. That's right. Uh, so, Cl- cleans it out. <laughs> I would look at designation. Big Al's a CPA. I'm a certified financial planner. So I would look more on the designations. I would look in. Then I like your second question or comment here is that what's the difference between like a registered investment advisor and a broker dealer? An RIA can be both, though. I mean, they can be a registered investment advisor that's under a broker dealer. So they're wearing two hats. That's called hybrid. Yeah. And it gets a little confusing. A straight RIA is just fee only, right? You, Marcus, would be the boss. You're paying that advisor. Um, and there's no other compensation, right? If I'm with a broker dealer, I could be you could be charged a fee, but then you're also paying commissions within the products that you're going into. Um, so there's conflicts of interest there. Could be. Could be. Yeah, if and, it's- the, and the the registered investment advisors generally are under a fiduciary standard, meaning that they re- are required to give the advice in that's in your best interest. Where broker dealer is a suitability standard, which basically means as long as the product is suitable, they can sell it to you, whether or not it's the best one. So we we feel like that's a pretty big distinction. That's why we 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 would encourage almost anyone to use a fee only fiduciary. Fee only fiduciary, registered investment advisor, um, certified financial planner, CPA, CHFC. That's another good one. CHFC, CFA, CFA, yeah, CFA is a good one. Chartered financial analyst. Yep. Um, so yeah, CHFC. That's a chartered financial consultant. Those are like a little old school before the CFP. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, Marcus, that was a lot of fun. That I really appreciate fun. you you leaving a voice message. See, all you, you can do this. So I guess another thing, too, is um, if, if you do want us to do a couple of episodes per week, just write us in. We need more. Yeah, we need more questions. We need more feedback from you guys to see if if Marcus is the lone wolf, which I think he is. And realize that if you don't tell us where you're from, we're either going to make it up or I'm going to figure it out from your phone number, and it might be wrong. Andy spends most of her day <laughs> just like searching our listeners out. Oh, oh, look at that! I know like, everything about everybody. Yeah, like Stuart from San Diego. I know exactly where he lives. <laughs> yep, he drives this and. Um. Yeah. But I will say Marcus J is a very cool guy. I really like him. Very much. So thank so. you, Marcus. So if you do want us to do a couple podcasts a week, then you would have to write in, go to Your Money or Wealth, jot it down, subscribe to our podcast, reach out to us, let us know. Um, I'm guessing Marcus is the only one. And probably Andy would want to do it. What makes you think that? Because you like to find out where these people live and Google them. And then Google map them. I mean, Marcus, trust me, I got a picture of your house right here. She, I mean, we're, lying. We're, 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 we're taking a look. Need, oh, need man. A, you need a new paint job. Yeah, you got a couple of dogs in the backyard. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you got someone sneaking around that back shed. Just call me Sherlock. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. Send us your email questions at yourmoneywealth.com. We'll see you next week. You, too, can leave a voice message just like Marcus did or send us an email. Just click the Ask Joe and Al on air banner in the show. 
show notes. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there. And if you're a fan of the derails like Andy is, stick around to the very end of today's episode. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to sign up for a no-cost, no-obligation, two-meeting assessment, either in person or via web meeting, with a certified financial planner from Pure. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. May I say it's nice to be back after a two-week vacation Yes, to New Zealand. It's good to have you back. Well, thank you. It was uh, fantastic, by the way. I contemplated never returning. (laughs) (laughs) I was contemplating you wouldn't show back up. I wonder if Mike talks in third person all the time. He would try to be absolutely that, nuts. That is, I will tell, I'll give, give you listeners, that's one of Joe's pet peeves. Oh my God. If I ever call myself Big Al, you know, Big Al feels this way. Joe would just throw a cup of Oh, God, it's just like, oh, my God, we were just interviewing this guy. He's like, yeah, well. Yeah, he did, he did <laughs> he use the third person. third person. I was like, you just lost a job. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I was right. thinking you were thinking. Yeah, that. Joe hates people talking in third person. Joe really gets annoyed. Right? <laughs> so anyway, okay. You can binge all 248 episodes. This is 249. That We have a very iconic show next week, Al. Yeah, 250. 250. But how are we going to celebrate? I think it's going to be very similar to today. <laughs> Marcus wants us to do two podcasts a week. There's got to be more than four people to request for, that for, for us, us to, to, even, to even think about we'll it. We'll probably get people saying one a month is fine. I would say I would <laughs> I would say one a year, fifteen hey, minutes. You know, you guys realize that you've never taken a break. Most other podcasts do seasons, like you do for the TV show, and you guys have done two hundred and forty nine episodes straight without ever taking a break. Yeah. Well, well, well we my got... my question is, where's the other five thousand that we did before? <laughs> Those are the last, <laughs> last, last records. La- yeah. We're going to have to find them. In the archives. In the archives. <laughs>